Hi guys, it's Mandy again with the Speaking Wife Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to y'all this week. It seems like every week feels like a little bit longer than a week, but I know I'm going to be preparing for a podcast episode and I think about it often throughout the days leading up to the next time I get to record with three boys. You can imagine that I have to squeeze this in where I can, but today I'm really excited to come to you again to talk a little bit more about the topic we spoke about last week. We are talking about culture and the impact it can have on your marriage. Now, y'all have heard me say several times that it's difficult whenever someone gives you um, vague advice. They give you kind of a blanket statement and you have to figure out how to practically apply this to your life where you're at right now. And so some of the things I'm going to talk about today are things that have helped me in practical application in my marriage to kind of combat the voices of culture and of peer pressure, of the norm that we are surrounded with right now. And a lot of them, I feel like, surely have to be pretty elementary, but they were truthfully never said to me until I had been married over 10 years and they were major eye-openers to me and they changed the way that I looked at my spouse and I looked at my interaction and my personal responsibility in the atmosphere of our marriage. Our marriage is made up of two people. There's not just one person responsible for the happiness of our marriage or for the completeness or for the sustainability there's not just one person that is responsible. I am responsible for the atmosphere just as much as my husband is. And that's something that for some reason, I never truly understood. It felt like it was easier to just pin it all on him, to just expect everything of him while I was claiming to be strong and independent and a fierce woman, but he just needed to put up with my moods and put up with my emotions and I didn't need to put up with anything from him. For some reason, that is just what I thought. So I hope that that's not the vibe that you have been given or the instruction that you've been given as you prepared to get married or as you've been married for a long time, whatever phase of life that you're in right now. But I feel like that some of these are so elementary that surely everyone but me must have known them. (laughs) So if that's not the case, I would love to get a comment from you. If you want to go to my Instagram page or if you just want to send me a message here, I would love to get a comment from you on if this helps you or not, or if these are things you always knew. And I would really, really love any input on the things that have actually helped you the most in your marriage and in your choice to fight for your marriage. What advice have you received that has actually helped you and given you this aha moment of like, whoa, I don't have to be the victim. I can take charge. I can be someone who makes a difference. I don't have to just sit here and wish that things would change. So if I mention things today that you're like, well, duh, I am so glad that you already knew these things. But for someone like me, I did not. And we had been married for quite some time before someone said them to me. And I realized the change that I could make, the power that I had in my own marriage. So Instead of just giving you vague advice, like I kind of feel like I did in the last episode, I wanted to go ahead and continue the topic into a part two today and give you some practical steps, some practical application for your marriage. So one of the things that I feel like that I had to stop and look at about myself is if my level of determination for my marriage to succeed and for my marriage to be a good thing and a healthy thing, if my determination for that 
was the same as my determination to succeed in whatever job I was trying to accomplish, whatever hobby I had just been interested in. If my relationship with my husband was as important to me as my relationship with my girlfriends, if I treated it with the same value and dignity and respect. And I think that sometimes for me personally, when you live with someone, you can slowly begin to just take them, take advantage of them, not necessarily in horrible, awful ways, but you take them for granted. You're not as respectful or you're not as kind. You're not as just having good manners. This is something that is such a basic thing that we often forget that our spouse should be the person that we're speaking the most respectfully to, not the person receiving the leftovers from our frazzled day and our frazzled emotions, but they should receive more kindness and more respect from us than anyone else. That was really difficult for me because we're, we're existing together. We're raising children together. We're keeping a home together. We're working together. We're, you think that you are pushing for the same goals. And in that process, you can often begin to treat your partner and the person who knows you better than anyone else the worst. That was something that I really had to take notice of in my own heart and in my own mind, in my actions and my words. And I needed to figure out where he was on my value scale, where he was if I needed to adjust what I was putting ahead of our relationship. I saw a quote just a few days ago that I felt like was so good. I almost want to get it in those wonderful vinyl letters and have it plastered to a wall somewhere to be reminded. But it said, when the grass is greener on the other side, that just means it's time to water your own lawn. That means instead of sitting on our side of the fence and wishing that we were on the other side of the fence, we need to realize that the ground that we have to work with can be an amazing, wonderful place if we will put the effort into it that we wish that someone else would put into it. Let's stop waiting and let's put the effort in. So the first thing I kind of already mentioned was to treat him better than you treat your girlfriends, to have more respect for him, to treat him more with kindness and with dignity and compassion. And when he's had a long day, let him vent to you. Uh, this is really difficult for me. And this is another point that can be mentioned all by itself. But my husband is an extremely analytical person. He is always thinking things through and breaking things down and figuring things out. He likes to do algebra for fun. I told him there is medication for people like that <laughs> because it blows my mind, it blows me away. So when he comes home and he's had a challenging day and he's had a day when he's been overwhelmed on every hand with issues that he needs to handle and people that are being frustrating and he wants to come in and talk about it, it's easy easy for me to to do the glaze the glazed look in my eye trying so hard to figure out what in the world he's even talking about and get bored with listening to him and it shows he's not stupid it shows whenever I am not interested in the slightest in what he has to say to me this is something that I have to take hold of my mind and my thoughts and my facial expressions and I have to choose to listen to him. I have to choose. Even when it's driving me crazy, even when it's boring, even when I don't understand, I am giving him the dignity of my time and my respect, my attentiveness. I'm choosing to listen to him. So those are two things we can do. One of the, the other things we can do, and I feel like that this is so vital, is to take the time to find out what his love language is. 
most of you have probably listened to the podcast where I talked about speaking different languages because that's what we do. As men and women, we speak different languages. We are not thinking the same way about 97% of the time, if not more. We're not processing things the same way. So when my husband was stressed out, I would want to rub his back and to say all the kind words because that's what makes me feel better. When I'm stressed and I'm overwhelmed and I'm discouraged or frustrated, if he'll rub my back and if he'll tell me how beautiful I am and what a wonderful wife I am and how glad he is that he married me. It just changes my whole attitude and my outlook. Everything's better. And so when I was doing that and nothing was happening, it was frustrating me. But what I was doing was I was speaking to him in my love language and I wasn't taking the time to figure out what his love language was. There's a book that you can get that is called The Five Love Languages and I would highly recommend getting this book. Even if you don't read the entire book, which you should, but if you don't have time for that right now, I totally hear, I hear that and I've been there and I understand. There's a quiz in the back that you can take and your spouse can take and you can figure out what your love languages are. There are five love languages. The first is words of affirmation, physical touch, gifts, quality time, and oh my goodness, I'm going to forget the very last one. I'll probably remember it here in a minute, but those are the four that I'm remembering right now. Oh, acts of service is the last one. So there's acts of service, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, and I'm going to keep forgetting the fifth one no matter what I do, but I've mentioned them all in there. My two top love languages are words of affirmation and physical touch. My husband's top love languages are quality time and acts of service. That is an extremely different view on what is going to make someone feel loved. So I had to learn that instead of saying all the words, he needed a glass of iced tea. We live in the South. This is a big deal for him. He needed a glass of iced tea, so I would have to stop myself because it just comes so naturally. When he would be stressed, I would have to grab a hold of my own mouth, make myself stop, walk to the kitchen, make a glass of tea, and bring it to him. And you would have thought that I had just watered his spirit, that I had just poured miracle grow on his outlook and everything. It all changed, and that was hilarious to me because that would not have happened for me. So I had to take the time to figure out what his love language was to be able to actually speak it to him when he needed that to happen. That's something that is not a huge deal as far as, you know, we don't have to read a million books, we don't have to go to classes, we don't, but it's something that can change the atmosphere of your marriage if you will take the time to do it. And the fourth thing is we can brag on him. I, I'm really bad at remembering to balance my complaining with my appreciation. Whenever I have something to complain about, it easily flows out of my mouth. It just, it comes right out. I'm going to talk about it. It's no big deal. And I have to stop and remember to balance my complaining, balance my frustrations, and hopefully be bragging on him or appreciating him more than I am griping about something that I would like for him to change or to do or to be different in. Number five, and this is a big one because I have such a loud mouth. Number five, do not purposely embarrass him, especially in public. If you do something on an accident, which I have often done, that is a little bit embarrassing. That's not as big of a deal, but when you purposely take their flaws and you magnify them in front of people in such a way as to humiliate them and to make yourself look better, you are not 
doing any good for your marriage. That is a major disservice to you and your relationship. You have the power to change that. So don't purposely embarrass him in front of everyone. The the messages that we're see, we are receiving right now in culture and society, we have to actually take note of what we're receiving because it comes in so easily. So often we won't even realize what is affecting our thought process, what's affecting our reactions to our husbands and their actions. And we need to sometimes stop and take notice of the messages that we're receiving, whether it's in the movies that we're watching or the things that we're listening to. If all we're hearing and filling our hearts and our minds with is something that is teaching us that we should never give or we should never help or we should never understand we should never be compassionate we should always just demand perfection we need to take notice of that and we need to start to change what we're allowing to come into our hearts and our minds I one of the terms that everyone uses all the time is I'm a strong independent woman and I briefly mentioned that in the last episode and it I don't understand how the correlation of strong and independent will often lead to the answer of packing your bags and walking away. If you listen to the first episode of this discussion last week, you will hear that I am not talking about abuse. I cannot say this strongly enough. This is not a topic about abuse, abandonment. This is not a topic about mental abuse. This is me talking about when you're in a marriage situation where you're not speaking the same language, you're not 100% happy, you're starting to think maybe things will be better somewhere else. I am not talking about being abused. If you are being physically abused, mentally abused, if you're being abandoned, please, please go get help. Please go to a shelter, talk to someone, stand up for yourself. Absolutely. What I am talking about in these two episodes is learning how to practically change the atmosphere of our marriage. Because if if something can change, if we can change it, shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we be strong enough and shouldn't we be independent enough that we take charge and we can change the atmosphere? And sometimes that means setting aside your thoughts and your feelings about what he is doing and doing some major self-examination. Most of the time, being a strong, independent woman does not mean running away. It means rolling up your sleeves and putting in the work. You have to actively work against what culture is telling you about you and your marriage. It's not something that's going to automatically happen or change in your mind because we will regurgitate what we are fed. If all you're hearing are the voices that you don't ever deserve to feel hurt or you don't ever deserve for him to make you cry or anything like that, If that's all you're ever hearing and you're not hearing anyone tell you to stand up and to be the one that changes things, to be the one to be the first one to say I'm sorry or to be the one to think, hey, maybe I'm not speaking to him in his love language. Maybe if I want compassion and understanding and acceptance from him, I need to be willing to give it to him. That's something that's not just going to automatically happen in your mind. It's something that you're going to have to take charge of your own thoughts and you're going to have to make the change. And it's going to take a process. It will not happen in one step. So we got all the way to number five. Number six is choose him. That sounds so simple and and so basic. And like I said, these probably all are. I hope that you've already heard all of these things. But choose him. As you're married longer and longer, you're going to grow and you're going to change and he's going to grow and he's going to change. And if you're not choosing each other over 
the other things, you will fall apart. That's what will happen. Even if you don't end up getting a divorce, you will end up being two people existing together in the same house. I have to choose him over my hobbies. I have to choose him over myself because I want him to choose me over himself. I want him to choose me over his hobbies. I want to be the one that he chooses over and over again. I want to be the one that he falls in love with over and over again because as I grow and as I change, I want to be the one. I want to be the one that he looks at and he chooses to understand and he chooses to learn who I am in this stage of life. If I want that from him, I need to be willing to do that for him as well. One of the things that we see in culture all the time, even if it's not said in a blanket, in a direct statement, we see all the time our ability to withhold from our husband. And that's something that is going to be an extreme detriment to your marriage. You cannot punish him by refusing him his needs unless you're willing for him to do that to you as well. That's something that I feel like could be an entire podcast by itself and is, is something that could be a really tricky topic to actually get super specific on. So I'm going to leave it saying it like that. When you choose to take an action towards him, balance it with your thought of, am I okay with him doing this to me in another area? Am I okay with him refusing to hear me? when I need to cry on his shoulder or when I need someone to just understand that I'm overwhelmed. There are things that correlate because they speak to us in different ways. There are things that will matter so much to us that truthfully they really don't care that much about and they have to force themselves to sit there and be understanding and have compassion on us in that moment. And then there are things that are going to matter greatly to them that don't matter that much to us. And if we want them to continue to be compassionate and understanding and willing to know us and be with us in that moment when we need them, we need to do the same thing for them. One of my favorite verses of scripture in the Bible is talking about something that's really convicting to me. And that's one reason why it's become one of my favorite scriptures because honestly, it's easy to read something or to listen to something that pats you on the head. That's not a problem. It's, it's easier for us to find someone who agrees with everything that we say and makes us feel good about every decision that we're making. And all that does is helps us to stay exactly where we are. We will not grow. We will not change. We will not mature. We will not become more than what we are in that moment if all we do is surround ourselves with voices who tell us we're just fine where we are. We're not just fine where we are. We're better. We're stronger. We can do more. And the scripture that convicts my heart, there's one in, in Proverbs 31 and it's verse 11. And it talks about the husband's heart safely trusting in his wife. And that's something that is convicting to me because I want to be that place. When he's out in the world and he's being faithful to me and he's being true to me and he's working hard to provide for his family, when he comes home, am I a place where when he walks in the door, he's able to breathe? Am I that safe place for his heart? Does he feel like that he has to keep his guard up around me as well because I'm just waiting for a chance to pounce on any insecurity or any inadequacy or any failure, any slip up, anything? Or can he, can he trust that his heart is safe in my hands? 
that I'm going to be the one person in the whole world that does not attack him or take advantage of him or push him when he's already feeling like he's overwhelmed. That's something that I have to do in myself. He cannot magically trust in me if I'm not being someone worth trusting. And I know that's hard to hear. It was hard for me to hear. But I feel very strongly that we have to stop accepting the labels that culture puts on us in our marriages. We are more. We are better. We can do more than what we get the feeling that we can do. We can do more than what we're told we can do. We can do more than give ultimatums and run. We can be strong. We can be independent and we can be warriors and fight for our marriages. We can turn all of the all of the determination and everything that everyone wants us to push in all these different directions and we can turn it in to our marriages and fight for what we have. It's not going to ever be perfect. No matter what, you are going to be married to a human. They're going to have bad days sometimes. You're going to have bad days sometimes. And there are going to be moments whenever you're frustrated at each other. And like I mentioned in the last podcast, the way that he chews is going to drive you crazy. And then there's going to be a season where just the way he looks at you makes your heart melt. Because we're humans. We're dealing with moods and emotions and changes. And we can either fall down to the labels and to the all of the expectations of society or we can ground ourselves in God's word and say who do you call me to be in my marriage who do you call me to be and what do you call me to do I feel like that I said it in the first episode last week but I feel like that anytime I talk about this I feel like I need to give a disclaimer and I did at the beginning of the last episode I hope that y'all understand I don't feel like for one second I have this all figured out I feel like that this is something that is worth fighting for and worth learning you have to surround your heart and your mind with good things that are going to push you to fight for your marriage and for your spouse You have to be willing to stand for them when they're too weak to stand for themselves. You have to love them enough to roll up your sleeves and put on your boots and get dirty fighting and learning how to protect your marriage. It's not going to happen naturally because we're in a society that does not protect marriage. It does not promote marriage. It does not advocate for your marriage. So you have to be the advocate for your marriage. Stop waiting for someone else to do it. Stand up and do it. Stop just saying that you're strong and independent. Be strong and independent. Independent of society and independent of culture's demands and expectations and labels on your marriage and on your home. Be the warrior for your family and for your home because no one can fight for your family like you can. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that I've said something to be encouraging and I truly hope y'all have a wonderful week. I'm loving all of this fall weather and I hope you're being able to experience it where you are. Have a great day.